Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of TCU's Three Wise Men. I'll have you guys know, in the Catholic Church, the day of this recording is the day we celebrate the Three Wise Men. So go us. The whole Catholic Church has a holiday for us. Um, but that being said, uh, welcome back to your favorite podcast with your three favorite geniuses discussing all things TCU sports and other interesting things around the country. Uh, welcome back to myself, normal-looking Connor. And real quick, before we get into the other big news, uh, what happened in the more peripheral sports we hit on occasionally this past week at TCU? I believe TCU women's basketball lost to Oklahoma State 67-58. to Do either of you guys have any comments on that one before we move past it? I didn't watch the game. Um, I didn't know it was on. But I did see that Sedona Prince, she's our 6'7 center, kind of a game changer because she's by far the largest person on the court whenever she's out there. Um, she's out for a bit. She had surgery on her finger. Apparently she broke it in the first play of the Baylor game. Played that whole game with a broken finger and uh, had, got it surgically repaired or put back together. Well, I we lost the Baylor game as well, right? I'm assuming you guys talked about that last episode with not normal-looking Connor. Yeah, we lost by like 20. We went from undefeated to like back-to-back rough losses. Yeah. That's a bummer. Well, that being said, on the topic of rough losses, TCU loses an absolute heartbreaker to the Kansas uh, University of Kansas referees 83 to 81. Tell us about this game, boys. Honestly, I thought as a whole, TCU actually played decently well in this game. Um, the the biggest thing is that we could not stop Hunter Dickinson. It was very evident throughout the entire game, watching the system that Kansas ran on offense, that Bill Self was trying to run the offense through Hunter Dickinson because that's where he thought that they had an advantage. It showed. He absolutely destroyed our big men. He was fantastic on the boards. Uh, Obviously got the game winner, which, albeit, was a bit controversial. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, Hunter Dickinson won them that game. He and K.J. Adams were a dominant force on the offensive glass for Kansas. Uh, Our bigs definitely did not do a great job of, specifically I would say, pick and roll defense. They they just didn't move fast enough. They weren't reactive fast enough. They weren't great at positioning. And what that ended up translating to was a bunch of pretty open looks for Hunter Dickinson and or a bunch of offensive rebounds. I will say, though, I was really impressed by our team in this game. I've said it a couple times on the show. I think Clemson gave the entire world a roadmap of how to beat TCU. And I thought when we started playing realer teams, that roadmap would be very well utilized. I said in our chat that I was pretty much thinking that because of that roadmap existing, we were going to get absolutely slaughtered by Kansas. Um, I couldn't watch the game in its entirety because I live in Florida and we had a tornado false alarm that false alarmed three different times on CBS during the game. So for about 45 minutes of the game, I was watching a weatherman tell me to stay indoors, which I was trying to do if he would let me watch basketball. But for the game that I did get to watch, yes, Hunter Dickinson was a monster. Yes, Kansas is good at basketball. But like, we were in it far more than I ever expected to be. I this is no excuse at the end of the day. If it comes down to the rest, that's we should have won better and we should there's no moral victories, blah blah blah. But the truth of the matter is I can't believe it came down to a bad call. Like I can't well, believe we were close enough for that to matter. I would say as a whole throughout that game, we matched up very, very evenly with Kansas. And I think that like if you have two teams that are matching up and just going blow for blow the entire game, like we made Kansas play our game. We made them run a fast mm-hmm. pace. We forced a lot of turnovers, got a lot of easy buckets. Both teams shot the lights out of Fall Gallon. 
And I think when you have a situation where both teams are playing as well and as evenly as that game was, it can unfortunately come down to the referees at times and big calls and or big no calls in specific situations like that last minute of the game can make or break a win. Yeah, the last minute of the game was not the uh, referee's finest hour. Um, But overall, I also just wasn't terribly impressed with Kansas. Um, Barrett, you mentioned how he went, how, how their coach went through Hunter Dickinson because he thought that that's where they had a matchup advantage. Definitely true. No debating that. But I think he also went through Hunter Dickinson because he doesn't trust anybody else on the team. You have Hunter Dickinson. You have Kevin McCuller. That's it. That's their offense. And then you have K.J. Adams, who's – I don't think he's a terribly good basketball player. He is a freakish athlete. And because of that, that's all you really need in college. You just – you can go get – On the four in the game? Yeah, he was seven for eight with seven dunks. Like, you don't need much more than freakish athleticism in college basketball. And that's why he had 18 points. Plus, he went four for five from the line. He's a 50% free throw shooter. So that's in in itself is a crime. But I think Kansas is going to really struggle this year in the Big 12 because of how heavily they are going to rely on Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCuller. I don't think they're going to finish as highly ranked as as I thought they were before this game. They're too heavily reliant on one to two players. And in college basketball, especially when it comes to tournament time, it's the deeper teams that make a run. And what I saw from TCU in this game, I was very encouraged by. Um, we had We had players step up who hadn't stepped up thus far in the season. And... Yes, there are no moral victories in a loss, but I thought we played well. We played much better than I thought we were going to play, and we did not let Kansas dictate the pace of play, which was extremely important. Well, and that's I think that's going to be important time and time again because we we lose when we let the play get dictated, the pace of play get dictated for us, and we win when we do. I mean, I recognize we didn't win this one, but we we have the capacity to win and we play well when we dictate the pace of play. And when it's dictated for us, we're basically worthless. And it's vital to us to get out there and do that. Like we did this time. Yeah. Yeah. I would say as a whole, as a whole, our God, our guards did a really, really good job in this game. They, yeah. they pushed the pace. They forced some turnovers with their quick hands in the passing lanes. We had talked about how, Kansas runs a pretty fast-paced offense, which is with a lot of passing and a lot of movement. And I think that played pretty well into our guards' hands, where they're they're all pretty heady and pretty good with quick hands, and got into those passing lanes and were able to run in transition. Um, I thought Jameer Nelson Jr. had an okay game, although he was terrible from the free throw line. This and game. from three-point range, yeah. But I thought as a whole, he, he made some good decisions. He just didn't make a lot of those shots. Well, he better have. We got like 57 cutaways to his dad. <laughs> I watched more of his dad than I did basketball. Yeah, I think that the guards all played pretty well. And the people who I was really kind of disappointed in were the bigs on defense because Lord knows we don't even try to go to him really on offense. And really our forward play on defense was not good. The reason KJ Adams had 18 points is because he had like 10 offensive rebounds. We just decided not to block him out. And I'm not really putting that on the big men because they were worried about Hunter Dickinson, rightfully. But like E-Man, PV when he's on him, you gotta get you gotta put your body on somebody and make sure that they don't get the rebound. Yeah, I thought to that point as a whole, Biggs didn't do a good job boxing out. We, I mean, we talked about how we were 
high on Uday over the past couple of games because he's actually done a good job of getting on the boards and boxing people out. I didn't really see him do that in this game. Obviously, it was a much harder matchup against Hunter Dickinson, who's 7'2 and however many billion pounds and a good basketball player. But with that being said, like if that's your job on the defensive side is box out, get boards, disrupt the big guy in the middle, we didn't do a good job of that whatsoever. Yeah, and we got in trouble with switches on Dickinson multiple times in the game where they, for the most part, they did a good job of getting Uday, Cork, Mustafa, whoever was in back to Hunter. But there were several times where Tennyson was matched up on Hunter Dickinson and somebody didn't stay home on the backside. So Tennyson did all he could to front front him. But if you can just throw a lob pass over the top, doesn't matter. We got to stay at home on the backside. And I thought we we adjusted to that a little bit too late. I guess we should probably talk about this yeah. like now just a little bit. Uh, I, as a person who does not watch as much basketball as you guys, and as a person who may or may not have been in a tornado ro- warning when the call actually happened, would like to say that it was objectively not flagrant and they threw away the game for no good reason. And from a strictly unbiased perspective, the refs have been paid for Kansas and we got this rigged against us. Y'all are welcome to give your opinions. <laughs> no, I mean you you heard it on the from the announcers and from the experts um, from the announcing group while they were talking about it. None of them thought it was a flagrant or thought it should have been a flagrant. Um, I don't necessarily think Uday intentionally meant to elbow Hunter Dickinson in in the head. I. Grand taking an elbow to the head hurts, but I think maybe he milked it a little bit, just staying down on the ground. And that's partly why they stopped play, um, which is a whole other issue in its entirety of whether or not they should have stopped play in that situation. Um, All that being said, I think it's a tough call at first for the refs, but I think at the end of the day, they, they, messed up that call and then they also missed a travel a push off on the final basket where Hunter Hunter Dickinson very clearly traveled on that last basket and with that we're going into overtime and this is maybe a different game and we're maybe telling a different story yeah I think looking at it in real time I don't think that's a flagrant foul and the refs didn't either. That's why they didn't well, call it. Saying, that's what made it such a problem. It's not that they called a flagrant. It's that they called nothing and 20 minutes later reviewed it and gave it a, made it a flagrant. Yeah. And to your point about stopping play, him flopping on the ground shouldn't stop play at all because we had possession of the ball. If we lose possession of the ball, that's when the refs stop play. That it completely killed all momentum. Not to mention that I don't I don't agree with the call. I'm looking at the definition of a flagrant foul right now, according to the NCAA. A flagrant foul one is two shots in the ball, and that means excessive in nature or unnecessary or avoid or avoidable, uncalled for, or not required for by circumstances of the play. Watching it in slow motion, it does look like a flagrant one. But if you don't call it in the course of play, I don't agree with going back to the review monitors and looking at it. Yeah. Well, and especially for a team like TCU, which relies so much on those fast breaks to shut down the play when TCU has the ball and they have the numbers on the other side. I mean, that is, you cannot go back after you missed that play. You just, quite frankly, it's how we beat Georgetown was that they missed the play in the moment and you can't go back after it. For better or for now, with Georgetown, it was a little more sketchy because we clearly were in the wrong. (laughs) But 
here it's a little more debatable who's in the right, but you can't, if you miss that, you've got to let the play go. That's kind of my thing, man. Like, listen, I just read the definition on here. That is not a clear definition for anything. That is way too broad of a statement. Well, it's so broad that I have seen the dumbest of Kansas fans arguing with a friend of the show, Derek O'Henryo, claiming that some uh, the the old joke where it's like, oh, well, if it wasn't excessive, then why don't you let me do that to you? I'm like, okay, because it's a contact sport. Because the contact that happens on the court is not something I want ple- in a pleasant Twitter interaction. Like, it is a contact sport. Things happen. Let the boys play. If Kansas is as good as they're supposed to, because you know what else? The other thing is I've gotten told as a TCU fan that us TCU fans just assume things would have gone our way. And if we're wrong, then stop arguing for the call. Let the boys play and show us that it wouldn't have gone our way. I'm so sick of the Kansas fans on this one. My, My grandma was watching the game as well. As soon as it happens, she looks at me and says, that's not a foul. (laughs) listen my grandma went to indiana she has no allegiance to tcu other than the fact that i went there she before i even said anything about it she was like that's not a foul he flopped he he absolutely flopped and to it was such a shift it was such an awful moment to give them the flop yeah which, I mean, I guess props to Hunter Dickinson. Good sell job. But my other thing is, if you're going to review that, why review that but not review the travel and the push-off at the end of the game that weren't called? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That's kind of where I, I am, as a fan, am starting to say, get rid of review, replay, like video replay. Like, if they get the call wrong in real time, human error is a part of the sport. I I can live with that. But if we're going to try and get one thing right, we need to try and get everything right. Yes. And if you're going to start calling flagrant fouls, make it like targeting in football where (laughs) a foul is called and then you can go review it. Do not let the course of play where no foul is called and then stop the play. You you call the foul, and then you go review. If there's no foul called, you should not be able to review. Hundred percent. I, I, I just I'm just to the point where I'm like, get rid of replay altogether, and live with the refs. And if the refs are crap, then the refs are crap. But at least we don't have to spend all this time at the review monitor, going over and over it, saying, oh. Well, some experts think that it should be a flagrant. Some think that it shouldn't. It it needs either make the definition conclusive to where we can be like, oh, yes, this is absolutely a flagrant, no doubt. Or get rid of the flagrant rule because it didn't accomplish anything. The dude's fine. He got tapped on the jaw, maybe. Like, come on. Yeah. It. Honestly, I also... I. I wish there were some degree of a way to keep these refs accountable. Like, yeah. I hate that these guys just, no, obviously, like, you know, I they're all children of God and I love them. But they shouldn't be allowed to go home to their families and be happy. They should be miserable for at least three weeks. <laughs> if anything, they should be in prison for that time. <laughs> well, you see, and keeping the refs accountable would not be as big of an issue if there was if no there replay. Were, yeah. Absolutely. Because then you just live with it. Yeah. You don't have, you you don't have the time to go like, of course, as fans, we can go on the screen, review it, watch it in slow-mo or whatever. But if the refs aren't reviewing it in slow time, Oh no, I missed the call. It's the same thing that happened at Georgetown. We know we were wrong. We know that he was out of bounds, but the refs missed it. So we have to live with it. In that case, we get to live with it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. But I'm just like, you wouldn't have to keep the refs accountable if we just we just let them ref. Yes. I will uh, also say, speaking of the uh... – oh, yes! Sorry, hold on. I'm watching the Dolphins game. We just got an interception. <laughs> the Bills 
I really hope we win this game because otherwise that's going to be a bad look for me when this comes out tomorrow. <laughs> but anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Speaking of the sell job, did you guys see Samuel L. Jackson's tweet from a year ago that circulated? Barrett, did you see it? Because I know you're not on Twitter. Is it? Samuel L. Jackson tweeted last November something like, Dang, this Hunter Dickinson MF on Kansas flops like he's playing on a soccer pitch. <laughs> so I'm team Samuel L. Jackson now. I think, to be fair, we were always team Samuel L. Jackson, just in a different light now. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted him to be our quarterback. At the end of the day, right, it sucks. We lost the game. Probably lost it on a bad call. But we, whenever we had our call earlier this week, we talked about going like it would be good to go one and two in this stretch. Mm-hmm. This is a game that probably should have won, but at the end of the day, we did not expect to win all of the three games of Kansas, OU, Houston. I think yeah. we have a better shot at beating OU than we do Houston for sure. And it's going to be an uphill battle to go two and one in this stretch now. But I think there's still definitely a possibility with how we played against a strong Kansas team. Mm-hmm. At Allen Fieldhouse, too. Yeah. Yes. And Jamie Dixon has Bill Self's number. Oh, I completely agree with that. Jamie Dixon knows how to beat Kansas. Which is insane. Yeah, which is kind of weird because we can't beat, like, Nevada. Which Nevada's a good team this year, and they've been good in recent years. But like, how can we beat Kansas but not Nevada? Because Nevada knew how to slow down the game. Yeah. Yep, that's all it comes to. All right. Well, with that, do we want to dive into some player awards for this game? Absolutely. All right. I will take the golden player unless one of you particularly wants to, because he all wrote out stats really well, so I can just read this. There you go. <laughs> all right, the, the golden player we have is Trey Tennyson. Uh, he was great during the minutes I was not watching a tornado warning. Uh, during the minutes throughout the whole game, he had 24 points. He shot 75%, 75% from the three-point line, three assists, and three steals. He was... Like I said, incredible for the parts of the game that I didn't get a tornado warning. He was he'd been a great player. He did exactly what we wanted to see from him. He gets the Golden Player Award. Yeah, Tennyson was unconscious in the second yeah. half from three. I don't know if he missed a three in the second half. It was just off-balance shots. Anything that he put up, it went in. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we've wanted to see. He, he he hadn't shot the ball terribly well. I think he came into the game at about 30, 33%. Um, but we all knew he could shoot. And this game is when it manifested. He he was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then who which one of you would like to take our Frank and Sensational? I can take it. All right. Go um, for it. Frank and Sensational player. We're gonna give two. Emmanuel Miller. He had 20 points, 6 of 14 from the field, 5 rebounds. This was kind of a toss-up, I felt like, between a couple players. Um, But Eman had 20 points. He was really consistent yet again. He always provides the attitude and the spark that we need. Um, And I hope to see that continue throughout the season. Yeah, man, yeah. he's he's the definition of consistency on this team. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, to have. Even even at the beginning of the season, whenever we were having our games where we were starting every game five or six minutes into the game, he played the whole. He was the only one starting from the beginning and playing to the end. He's been incredibly consistent. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you someone who's not been consistent is our big rotation as a whole, Um, that's inclusive of. Ernest Uday, Xavier Cork, I'll throw Samastafa in there. I would say those three in particular as like our three kind of key bigs, quote unquote. Um, 
didn't do a great job. Obviously, we've talked about the boxing out issues and getting rebounds. We KU absolutely torched us on the boards in this game. And I think that's partly how they won this game. Um, but as a whole, throughout the season, they haven't been consistent. And we need to see some consistent level of effort on the boards, on defense, get them some touches on offense, even though none of them have really proven to be an offensive weapon right now. Uh, it's still important to get your big touches. So uh, I would just like to get, see Murr out of our entire big rotation. Yeah, that's about right. And we did touch on that a little when we were talking about the game. Uh, with that, we're getting into our picks for the week. I, uh, I am literally, I just got home from dropping my girlfriend off at the airport and I walked into the house, turned on the Dolphins game and jumped on this call. So I don't have very many silly games in here, but we've got a lot of good Big 12 games going on this week. I'm going to just burn and churn through Big 12 through Saturday right here and that'll be our picks for the week with no silly games. Houston at Iowa State. What are we expecting to see from that, Jacob? Iowa State just come off a uh, close-ish loss to OU. This one's at Iowa State. Oh, Barrett's dog really is a fan of Iowa State. Um, but Barrett's dog is a lifelong cyclone. I think that this is the game that Houston falls. Houston's the only undefeated team, to my knowledge, left. And I think that Iowa State's going to rebound. They're at home. Moody magic. It it just is going to work to their favor. All right, Barrett? Yeah, I – I you guys know I'm I'm high on Iowa State, even though they lost this week. I, I really like their team. They got a lot of length. They got a lot of shooting. I think this is a team that can give Houston some fits. And – I think they come out with the dub. <laughs> so you're picking Iowa State as well? Yep. I was going to pick Iowa State, but I don't like us all picking the same person. So you know what? I'm I'm Houston, who I've been fading and said is going to disappoint this year, and Iowa State, who I like, to avoid picking the same as you guys, I'm going to trust – I'm going to go against all my instincts and say Iowa State wins this one. Or not, dear Lord, I'm going to say Houston wins this one. Darn it, my instincts took over. <laughs> All right, next we've got Texas at Cincy. Jacob. Cincinnati just beat my, my uh, or my, I guess, dark horse pick for the Big 12 in BYU at BYU. Texas lost to Texas Tech, embarrassingly. I think since he takes this one, I'm not high on Texas this year. They have no front court. They have a two good guards, and that's about that's about their team. They have nobody else. So I'm 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 gonna roll with the Bearcats. Jacob or dear Lord Barrett. I like yeah. I said, I just got out of a long drive. I'm not thinking. Barrett. Cincinnati's defense, I've I've been high on them all year. they're legit. They held a very, very good BYU offense to I think it was like 60 points yeah. or something. Um what I had talked about earlier in the year how BYU shoots a lot of threes and the game that they don't make a lot of threes, they'll lose. And that happened to be Cincy. Um I think UT is still a good team. I agree with Jacob that they don't have the big depth that they've had previously, and that's gonna hurt them. But I think that they bounce back from a loss against tech. I think Cincinnati struggles with the guard play of UT with Ace Smith and Tyree Center. And I think UT comes out on top. I am so glad Barrett didn't pick the same thing as Jacob, so I didn't have to want to move away. There is no way I'm picking Texas. They lost the playoffs. They're never experiencing joy again since he wins this game. Uh, K-State at West Virginia, Jacob. West Virginia might win two games in the Big 12 this year. I'm going to go with – and those two games might be against Oklahoma State. <laughs> so I'm going to go I'm going to go with K-State. K All right, Barrett? Yeah, OSU is stinky. Stinky bad. West Virginia, yeah. I think, is stinkier, right. though. 
Barrett yes, actually can't tell the difference. He forgot who we're picking. He's just like, I know that one's bad. They're, they're both terrible. Whatever. K-State's going to beat both of them handedly. You can already lock in my pick for whenever we pick K-State <laughs> versus OSU down the road. I'm with, <laughs> I'm with both of you. K-State's going to win, but more accurately, West Virginia is going to lose. All right, next we got OK State at Texas Tech. For the same reasons I picked Kansas State last time, I'm picking Texas Tech this time. <laughs> yeah, Tech all the way. Um, I really don't want to pick Tech, but I, I don't know how I cannot pick Tech because OK State is really bad. I'm going with Texas Tech. All right, next we have got a battle of the alcoholics between BYU and Baylor. So BYU at <laughs> Baylor, Jacob. I'm going to pick BYU. Um, I think Baylor's going to win this one, but I'm picking BYU. Uh, Barrett? Um, this is a tough one because Baylor's looked pretty good. BYU's offense has looked incredible, but... Baylor struggled with Oklahoma State. They yeah. won in overtime. I think Baylor is the more complete team. I think BYU is a great offensive team. I think getting into Big 12 play, we're going to see them take a bit of a hit, and I think Baylor comes out on top on this one. I I do think in basketball season, I may at some point have to break this never-picking Baylor rule because they're actually relatively good at basketball. However, this morning I attended a Latter-day Saints church. And I gained a piece of information. I was told that on their missions, there's only one sport that the missionaries are allowed to play. And that sport is basketball. I want to see men in white shirts and black ties come dunk all over Baylor. I have no (laughs) doubts about it. BYU is winning this game. Next, we've got Kansas at UCF. Uh, Kansas. Uh, Barrett? I want to pick UCF so badly. Don't do it. Or do <laughs> I it. I want to pick them so badly. On behalf of my being bad at the picks, I highly recommend you pick UCF. Yeah, yeah, you should pick UCF. <laughs> Jalen Sellers is going to drop a 30 bomb. I don't think that's going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Jake, Golden Knights. He's going to drop easy. a 30 bomb to give them 30 points. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he could drop like 45 and it wouldn't matter. Are are you calling Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm calling Jan Sellers carrying them to the promised land. <laughs> I'm not I say you you're saying UCF? Okay. I am absolutely not saying that. Barrett's just high on UCF now that they have KJ Jefferson on their football team. <laughs> This is winning this game by a mile. (laughs) All right. OU at TCU. Uh, TCU bounces back here. Barrett? Yeah, I agree with Jacob. I think OU has a good team. They have really, really intelligent guards who don't turn the ball over that much. But I think that TCU just didn't turn the ball over either. Yeah. Before they played us. Uh, I'm normally the world's biggest homer, but we stuck against OU no matter who they are. I think I'm true. picking OU. I don't. I don't think it matters if they're good or we're bad or we're good. And I, you just play weirdly bad against OU. I'm picking TC or I'm picking OU, and I hate saying that, but that's what I'm doing. All right, there are a bunch more Big Twelve games after that on Saturday. Highly look forward to all of them. However. That's a good stopping point for now. We've got all of the midweek games picked right there. I hate that we're ending on me picking against TCU. I pray I'm wrong. Go Frogs. I will gladly eat those points. But with that, let's move on. After this, we've got to talk about the actual game that I just picked poorly. Tell me what you boys expect from the TCU-Oklahoma game. You both said you think we'll win. Hopefully you're right. Tell me why I'm wrong. 
Oh, you did beat a good Iowa State team, 71-63 to on Saturday. Their defense is good. They held Iowa State to 63 points and poor three-point shooting. But what they fail to recognize is that we already have poor three-point shooting. <laughs> so poor three-point shooting won't determine whether we score 60 points or 80. We'll just score our normal 80 because we'll shoot the same. So I think we're going to win. Oklahoma, it looks like they run a three-guard system. They got three really good guards. Like Barrett said, they're intelligent. They're smart. They don't turn the ball over. Um, two of them are actually homegrown, um, which you don't really see nowadays. And they're young. They're both sophomores playing well. And the first is Otega Owe, um, which is a really fun name to say. But he is a six-five guard. He averages almost 15 points per game, close to four rebounds and one assist. Here's the kicker. He's shooting 63.6% from the field for a guard. He is shooting 68.4% from three-point range. That is an insane number. Now, granted, he does not shoot a lot of threes. But the threes that he shoots, he obviously makes. I don't think he doesn't shoot a lot in general, but he makes the shots that he takes. He's just a really good, smart basketball player. I think that Peavy will probably be matched up on him. I thought Peavy did a relatively good job against McCuller. And I think he'll have to do a good job against Owe for us to win this game. Yeah, I think kind of going off of that. Part of the reason I think TCU will win is because I don't think Owe will continue this hot streak that he's been on. The law of averages means that he will most likely regress back to the mean at some point. I would be shocked if he continues shooting 68%, 63%. I would be shocked if he shoots over 50% from the field by the end of the season. Um, just cause that's really, really rare. And so with that being said, their leading scorer is shooting an absurd percentage from the field for the season. I think that at some point that has to end. I'm assuming that'll end at the TCU game. And to Jacob's point, they held an Iowa state team that has really good three point shooting to really bad three point shooting. That doesn't really affect us because we don't shoot the ball well. What we do really well is force turnovers and run in transition and get easy buckets. Mm-hmm. And so for a team like OU, if they have really good three-point defense, that's not necessarily a strength that's going to matter against a team like TCU that just likes to run in transition. And so I think that we have a better than the Kansas game shot at beating OU in this game just because I think their strengths don't necessarily match up match up as well to TCU and I don't necessarily think their strengths maybe will continue yeah another strength of theirs that I've noticed is their big shooting they have two bigs that play 18 to 20 minutes a game that's more and either hugely or hugly. And I don't know which one of those I want I want it to be pronounced like more. I'm going to pronounce it hugly because that's what it looks like. So <laughs> Moore is shooting 43.5%. He is 6'7". So he's basically PV size playing forward for him. And John Hugley is 6'10", 275. He's shooting 42.1% from deep. That's important because we rely on our bigs, or we're supposed to rely on our bigs to get rebounds and clog up the paint, block shots, make make things a little bit difficult for the offense. But if Hugley and Moore are drawing our guys outside of the paint, we're really going to have to focus on getting the rebound and pushing it up the court there rather than just letting the bigs do what they want in the paint, block shots. They can box out, get the rebound there. 
And we also have to watch for their bigs slashing in to get offensive rebounds, which is what KJ Adams did a lot of the time. He started out behind the three-point line, and he ended up getting the offensive rebound because one of his good instincts, he's a freak athlete, and we neglected to box him out on the three-point line. We forgot about him. Can't do that here. Oh, he's a good team. They're a disciplined team. They'll hurt you. I will say I'm very compelled by the point you guys have made about three-point shooting. I always go in pessimistic to the OU game saying no matter how good we are and no matter how bad they are, it just goes weird. I hadn't considered putting our weaknesses up against their strengths. (laughs) (laughs) That, That does change my outlook on this game. Well, I mean, also in your defense, for your opinion, we haven't been a good three-point shooting team for some time now. That's fair. (laughs) Well, but I mean, shoot, if Tennyson can hit threes like he did on Saturday against Kansas, then things things might start changing. But if one person's hitting threes, that doesn't mean we're a good three-point shooting team. Yeah. The other guy who we need to watch out for is... Javion McCollum. He's a transfer from Siena. 6'2 guard, averages just under 15 points per game, four assists, and two and a half rebounds on 45% shooting. He's another good three-point shooter, 38.1%. He's one of the two guys they run their offense through. He's a smart basketball player, averaging four assists to two turnovers per game. And uh, I think we just need to limit him on the offensive side of the the court. He's small. He's 6'2", 160. I think that Anderson, being a little bit taller and lankier and older, can take advantage of his size advantage. And then Jameer Nelson is just a brick wall. And he can definitely kind of body him a little bit more. And especially on the offensive end, the – Less amount of time Jameer Nelson spends around the three-point line, the better. And if so if we can get some post-ups with him, I don't see anything wrong with that. I I totally agree with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching football. <laughs> oh, who's winning? Uh, I've been bouncing from te- game to game. So I was watching the Dolphins. I've been watching. Uh, Hold on. What was the score when you stopped watching the Dolphins? They were up by seven. Okay, you need to start watching the Dolphins again. <laughs> because when you stopped, the Bills scored. I need your help, Barrett. I Let told the it. viewers that the Bills suck on air. I Let have to win this it. game. Are there two Watch games on right now? Huh? Are there two ba- football games on right now? There were, yeah. Oh. Huh. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, with all that being said, we have one other game this week after the OU game, and it is against another strong team. What should we expect in this TCU-Houston game? This is going to be a tough matchup. Uh, Houston's defense is really freaking good. Really, really freaking good. Um I think if we get into a position where we're forced to play half-court offense against Houston, they're going to absolutely destroy us. Our only hope is forcing turnovers against a team that's known for their defense, maybe less so their offense, and being able to run in transition. Another issue here is similar to OU, Houston really, really likes to get on the offensive boards. And that is an area where we have consistently struggled each game and boxing out, specifically boxing guards out or boxing wings out and athletic guys who are able to go up and just get an easy put back. And I think that we are going to have to be very, very focused on boxing out in that game if we have even a snowball's chance in hell of winning. Yeah, this team averages nine turnovers a game. OU averages 13. OU, 13's, that's about average, I think, for for Power 5 basketball. Nine is unheard of. That's crazy low. 
It's going to be a tough game. I think this is one of the few teams who can actually match up with us athletically. And their athletes are better basketball players than ours are. So we're going to need to really get after them physically. They're led by LJ Cryer, who most people know, TCU fans. He was linked to us for several years. Started at Baylor. He's a 40% three-point shooter. He averages 17 points a game. Dude's lights out from the outside. Um, and really, they have three him again. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he also plays the most minutes on their team by five minutes. He's such a good player. Yeah, he's really good. The only thing is, is he's small. Um, he Size is. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you heard it here. Size doesn't matter. Yeah, they have four guards who they run a lot, and they their two bigs that they play do not go to the three point line at all. They're shooting a combined zero percent from three. And they're not good free throw shooters, which helps as well. But both are above 58% from the field, which means that they score inside and they score well. They're 14-0. They're a really good team. There's not much else you can say about them. Houston is TCU with more talent. They run a very similar defense. They run a very similar style of play. They like to get out and run transition. They like to force turnovers. Mm Mm-hmm. The difference is that they don't turn the ball over on offense, and they do a really, really good job of rebounding. Yeah. Yeah, they're averaging 41 rebounds a game. <laughs> Which is I, uh, Yeah, that's so many <laughs> rebounds. I picked them as my disappointment for this season, and they are still undefeated and giving me every reason to be wrong. And to be fair, I picked them saying they won't handle the Big 12 gauntlet, and they do obviously have a lot of that to go. But at the same time, as much as I love TCU, when someone describes the Big 12 gauntlet, there are scarier teams on that list. They are going to be a real threat when we play them. I, I'm not picking against TCU twice in one episode. TCU is going to beat Houston full stop. I already was negative once. But this is going to be a game. They are going to be good. I think... If Houston loses at Iowa State, we're in big trouble. Yeah. If they win at Iowa State, we have a chance. Which, luckily for us, we picked Iowa State to win. Yeah. (laughs) No, you two did. I, out of sheer peer pressure, picked Houston. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. Interesting note. Uh, I'm just looking at our stats right now, and Tennyson was like 33% before uh, from three before the Kansas game. He's now 49%. So that's how that's how much that game skewed his shooting percentage. What happens when you make what seven threes in a game? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He he shot the lights out that game. Yeah, he was nuts. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Houston's a great team. I'm I'm with Connor on this one. I I was kind of soft on them coming into the season, precisely for the fact that like I still think they're a fantastic team and they're definitely like a, a contender for the national championship. But I didn't think that their record would show that as much. Just being in the Big Twelve and playing all of these really good teams on a consistent basis, I think they've had a bit of a luxury playing in the American Conference. And not to say the American isn't great at basketball because they are consistently pretty good at basketball as a whole, but uh, it's a different beast trying to play in the big 12. Uh, Jacob had mentioned it in our last episode about how the top 14 strengths of schedule remaining in the entire country are all 14 big 12 teams. And so I, I think that goes to show just how deep this conference actually is, how difficult it is to be able to, come out of it unscathed. And I don't think Houston's going to be able to do that. I think they'll drop one or two games. They'll still be a number one seed. They'll still be like one of the top teams in the country, but they're not going to come out of here undefeated. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I mean, let's be honest. You could probably lose four to five games in the big 12 and still be a number one seed. But 
Which, honestly, I expect Houston to do. It just so, matters more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, do we have anything left for the Houston game? No. It's going to be a tough game. <laughs> yeah. Any any final comments otherwise? Yeah, I'll, I'll just quick rundown of the quadrant uh, oh, yeah, yes, breakdown. Yes. Um, TCU actually moved up with the loss to Kansas. We were ranked 43rd before the game. We are now ranked 39th in the net rankings. We are the only team in the top 50 of the net rankings not to have a top 100 win, um, which we were just so dang close to. But we're ranked 29th in Ken Palm, which is also a raise after the Kansas game. Uh, Kansas game was obviously a quad one loss. OU, thankfully, went, after they beat Iowa State, they moved up from 29th in the net rankings to 22nd, which in turn made this game on Wednesday a quad one game. So... Win against OU, that's a quad one win. Houston is ranked number one in both Ken Palm and the net rankings. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be tough. So you're saying that Houston will be a quad one win? <laughs> it should be. Obviously, you had to narrow that down. <laughs> yes. Quality yes, loss. Quality loss, Connor. Yep. <laughs> Which I mean, theoretically, right <laughs> now, all of our losses. Florida State finally got the quality loss we needed. We lost <laughs> to a big SEC team, making Florida State the national champion this year. <laughs> I mean, all of our losses to this point have been quality losses. Yeah. Also, side note: them. this is not important to the show, and you can edit this out. But I just made that comment about Florida State, and I'd just like to say that I'm stating now that if the bowl officials put one of my teams against Georgia again next year, I'm killing their families. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm done. I'm done losing my 60 to Georgia. <laughs> it's becoming an annual prediction. Connor, shorts Georgia the entire season. Also, Connor, I'm done losing by 60 to Georgia. <laughs> Look, I didn't short postseason Georgia. They are a different animal. Yeah, I'll keep that. Any final comments now? No. All right. Hey, well, at least Georgia is bad at basketball. We can we can Georgia, hold our I'm calling it right now. Better than, than I've about. never once been wrong about this three years in a row. Fade Georgia on the season under next year. They are not going 12 and up. So Georgia um, actually just uh, jumped in the net rankings to 83rd. Don't even tell me. Shut up. I'm done. No. Thank you in all basketball. for tuning in this week's episode with your three favorite geniuses talking about all things TCU basketball and other interesting things around the country. And what Jacob's saying is not interesting, so we're not going to talk about it. Um, I, I'm going to hope that this holds strong through the rest of the night and that I don't look bad when this episode comes out tomorrow. Bills suck. Go Frogs. Tune in next week.